to the Stock Market Option Trading Podcast. My name is Eric, and in this episode, I want to talk about a concept I've been thinking about and really kind of wrestling with, actually, is the idea of probability stacking with your analysis, whatever tools you use, and we're going to talk about a few today, uh, so that you can get an edge in the market to make consistent gains over time. And when I started thinking about probability stacking, I started thinking about the book called uh, Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas, which is more of a mindset, psycho, uh, psychology type trading book. It's a must read. You have to get that book. I have it on audiobook. I actually like the audiobook version because there's kind of this, um, I don't know who the narrator was, but it was. it's kind of a, it's very relaxing. And it's one of those books that you can just pick up where you left off. I've probably listened to it a hundred times in various bits and pieces and I'll go back to certain chapters and it's just, I'm a slow learner. So I like to, um, I'll have to review things several times. Uh, but the idea of probabilities, I thought, uh, really needed some attention here because I think there's some confusion or maybe some misunderstandings about what probabilities really mean in trading. And as you probably know, All trading comes down to probabilities, the probabilities of winning, losing, how big your winners are, how big your losers are. I talked about that a little bit in the snow fight metaphor um, episode a few episodes back by Van Tharp. I think I did a couple episodes about Van Tharp, about designing your system, so kind of understanding um, that. But I wanted to talk about probability stacking, which is what can you actually do to get the odds in your favor and some tools that you can use. But I wanted to touch on probabilities first. So instead of me taking time to summarize um, the Trading in the Zone book, I actually cheated and I took some excerpts and threw it in the chat GPT and told chat GPT to summarize it. So I'm going to read you this short, it's probably a minute um, section just about how to think about probabilities. Remember, this is coming from Trading in the Zone with Mark Douglas, and this is ChatGPT's sort of summary of some of it. So here we go. The intricacies of understanding probabilities and how our cognitive biases hamper our ability to fully grasp them. The fundamental problem, as the author Douglas explains, is that our brains are not naturally programmed to think probabilistically or with randomness in mind. Instead, our decisions are primarily based on past experiences and our innate behavioral inclination to seek pleasure and avoid pain. The author illustrates this using the analogy of touching a hot stove. If you've experienced the pain of a burn by touching a hot stove, you'll avoid repeating that same behavior in the future. This avoidance is a simple evolutionary survival instinct basically to avoid pain. However, this biological predisposition towards past learning of experiences and seeking pleasure or avoiding pain doesn't align well with the principles of trading. And that's what we're trying to do. He points out and argues that having more knowledge or experience doesn't necessarily improve your odds of avoiding the pain of a financial loss, nor does one highly successful trade guarantee you'll experience the pleasure of a win on the next day or the next trade. This is because market outcomes are driven by probabilities, resulting in random outcomes that are immune to your personal desire or your efforts to prevent losses or secure wins. And man, is that a loaded paragraph. 
I'm sorry, I'm kind of pausing here. It's so true that people think you're going to be on a win streak. And then when the when you finally get a loser, you're like, okay, well, that strategy doesn't work anymore. And it's just, it's just not the way it is. Um, there are random outcomes in the market and you just want to find the one that, that is most probabilistic so that you can trade it over time. Douglas goes on to suggest that in order to succeed in the realm of trading, we must learn to leverage probabilities to our advantage. He proposes that consistent tra- trading success isn't about winning every single trade. It's about conducting a sufficient volume of trades with a sound strategy. The concept of an edge is introduced here in the book, a sign that a price is more likely to move in one direction over another. Through careful market analysis, traders can identify a potential edge and a strategy they believe will yield the profit over time. However, even with the favorable edge, the market's inherent randomness means that things can still go wrong. The crux of Douglas's argument is that if you've chosen a profitable edge or a strategy based on some kind of market pattern or indicator or something, you can ensure that over a large number of trades and over a longer period, you'll be able to have consistent success, but it will also include some losing trades. Drawing a parallel to the operations of a casino, Douglas explains that even though the house may occasionally lose, that they are aware that they'll consistently win over time and that they will be able to ensure profitability. These are, you know, think about it. Casinos are publicly traded companies that make a lot of money from basically probabilities. And the confidence they have, it's not founded on the luck or the blind optimism from, you know, for running one of these companies. It comes from the rules that the casino imposes on all their games. And they give them an approximate 4.5% edge over the players. So we all know that. We know that when you go to the casino, the edge is not in your favor, but it's fun. So you're going there for fun, right? Casinos don't panic when individual gamblers win big. They understand that the more games people play, the greater their eventual profits will be. So the more trades, the better. He also concludes that underlining the vital importance of embracing risk in trading. I think this is everyone still struggles with this. He believes that understanding probabilities along with a long-term strategy is crucial to maintaining a winning mindset and achieving consistent profits. Simultaneously, a willingness to accept risk is necessary to counteract irrational fears that could otherwise undermine your ability to profit. Recognizing and confronting these fears is therefore an essential step in becoming a successful trader. So my point in kind of going there first with the Douglas uh, Trading in the Zone book is really that you you have to embrace an, a probabilistic mindset and you really have to know what that means. So, I mean, it's very clear. Probabilities mean sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. You never know when the winner is going to come. You never know when the loser is going to come. You can have multiple winners in a row. You can have multiple losers in a row. And I think a lot of people try to sum, summarize things down in percentages. So let's say you have an 80% strategy, a win rate, let's say over you know a thousand trades, but you back tested something. Well, some people would say that means I'm going to get eight winners and for every 10 trades, I'm going to get eight wins and two losses. And yeah, that's true over time, but you could get six losses in a row and then 80 losses or 80 wins in a row, right? You don't know the distribution of those wins and losses. So before you even pick your edge and strategy, and we're going to talk about a couple of things here in a second, before you pick any of those to, to put the probabilities in your favor, you just still have to understand 
how to think in probabilities and what that means and, not, and to not dis, uh, get discouraged when the first losing trade comes, right? And one of the things I've seen a lot in some of the trading groups I run is the idea that when you're in the trade and we're, we're talking about unrealized gains and losses, some people freak out as soon as the trade starts to go against them. So let's say you have a stop in place or you know, you're waiting for a moving average to turn or whatever it is you're doing. And the idea that as soon as you enter the trade, all of a sudden you you see red on your screen, but the trade isn't over. Some people will close that trade because they're like, oh, this isn't going my way. And there are, there are some strategies that sort of utilize that, but you need to be a little bit more mechanical about it. If you've chosen a stop or a price level based on some kind of analysis, you got to try to stick to it because that way, you know, you don't want to get shaken out of a trade. And that's even more frustrating because then you're not actually following the system. You're, you're following your emotions and that's something you want to avoid, obviously, right? Now that we have some context around really what trading uh, probabilities mean, we want to try to get the odds in our favor so we can you know, find an edge that we can trade consistently over time. And one of the ways you can do this is by probability stacking. So what does that mean? So the idea of probability stacking, the way I'm referring to it, is the idea of using multiple metrics or indicators or analysis techniques to increase the probability of having a winning trade or winning trading system that you can consistently execute, right? So there can be a lot of winning systems, but if you can't trade it because you're trading, a, uh, you have a day job and you can't watch the one minute chart or whatever, then you're not, you know, even if that's a profitable system with an edge, you're not going to be able to trade it. And one of the things I've talked about in previous episode is, is the idea of choosing your time frame. If you're going to watch charts and candlesticks and you have a day job, you may not be able to watch the three minute chart, five minute chart. So you might want to choose a system that either has an edge based on time of day, which, you know, I've talked about here before, or you have to choose which time frame you can follow. So if you're at work and if you're able to open up your phone every 30 minutes, then yeah, maybe you can look at the 30 minute chart and wait for your buy or sell signal or whatever it is. But if you can't do that, where you probably end up is using a daily chart or a four hour chart, a daily chart where one candle equals one day. You can just really look at towards the end of the day to see if your signal or pattern or whatever it is, is playing out. And then you just have one time a day. You need to check the market. I also think the four hour chart is pretty good because there's two candles per day. So you could check it at lunchtime and say, you know, the, the four hour chart is you're getting a signal at lunch and then you can try to get in. So those are probably good for your standard nine to five day job type people. I would say a daily chart or a four hour chart, but don't underestimate that choice of time frame that you're going to trade on because it's, it's really important because you, you get, you got to be able to trade it consistently as we know, so you can uh, let that edge reveal itself over time. So let's go over a few analysis techniques that you may want to combine together to get the probabilities in your favor. And there's an endless combination of these. So I'm going to go over some real high level stuff here just to kind of think about it. Um, fundamental analysis. I know it's not talked about a lot, but typically what I see is that these are the momentum stocks that come in the market that if you're trading, um, you know, a bullish stock, I'm going to just bring up Nvidia cause it's been on a tear with the AI craze. 
fundamentally, it's super overvalued, but at the same time, there's value to be had there because of its industry and AI and all that. So fundamental analysis may be a way for you to just get some stocks on a radar, probably to the long side. So you might find stocks that have a really high earnings or EPS or whatever and say, okay, these are the stocks that I want to trade to the long side. Well, we know that that's not really enough unless you're the, the a Warren Buffett type of person where you're just going to buy a stock and hold it forever or hold it for years, then you, you're going to want a little bit more to help you know when to get in and maybe when to get out. And that's where you end up uh, with the world of technical analysis, right? And there's literally thousands, if not millions of indicators and settings and oscillators and all the things, and and they definitely have value. Um, But as you probably know, uh, most indicators are using some uh, evaluation of price, volume, Um, those are the main ones. And so a lot of them can be really, really similar. Um, when you, when you look at things like candlesticks versus regular candlesticks versus hike and ashy candlesticks there, the formula is just a little bit different, right? It's just, it's not that they're looking, there's some magical number. It's just a different formula. It's like, Hey, I'm going to take the recent price action. I mean, candlesticks don't really have a formula. They're just more what it is, but like hike and ashy, for example, it's going to take certain uh, parts of the highs and lows and average and create some new candle and a different style looking that helps you figure out, uh, you know, if it's the recent price action is uh, bullish or bearish, right? So everything still uses price and volume. I would say everything most things do. Um, there's also things like momentum, volatility, trending indicators, all kinds of things. There, there's really no single magic indicator as we know. But having the right combination of indicators or analysis, I really do think can improve your success, especially on the shorter time frames. Now, as you know, too, adding too many indicators is actually not too good because if you have, let's say, seven indicators, and I've, you've seen these charts before, right? They're ridiculous where they have, you know, you have the chart of price and then you have four Price uh, four indicators below, like RSI, MACD, the descending price oscillator, the CCI, and then on the chart, you have all these patterns. At some point, you have so many things going on that if you waited for the perfect setup, you'll never get a trade. And if you never get a trade with the perfect setup, what happens is that A, you can't have a lot of trades to let your probability uh, play out so that you can realize the edge over time. But what that also does is you start to uh, sort of question, well, is the CCI really good? Well, the RSI is overbought, so maybe I should go short. Well, that doesn't mean you should go short because it's overbought. You should wait for a sell signal. But if the RSI gets overbought above 80 or whatever the number is, it can stay like that for a long time and it can dip below that and the, the stock can still go higher. So it's not enough to have that one indicator tell you something. And then as you, you'll, you'll start to question that because some, you know, the hindsight bias will kick in and you're going to say, oh, the, the MACD was right that time. Oh, the RSS, RSI was right this time, right? So too many things are definitely bad. Um, I think you should narrow it down to, you know, one or two. I limit my analysis to no more than three things. And I usually try to have two of the three things working. And then I try to trade in that direction. 
Um, but you know, just again, technical analysis, there's a million ways there's a, you can go online and, and see all the different analysis tools and there's paid and free and everything. It's a lot of stuff. Another type of analysis that's sort of outside of technical analysis. And I, some people don't believe this, but it, it kind of is, it's called cycle analysis. And this is things like seasonality, um, Elliott wave theory would be more of a cycle analysis. I would, I wouldn't put Fibonacci in the cycle analysis, but, um, in general, there's the idea of cycle analysis or Fibonacci in, in this case is the idea that there's sort of a, a, a bigger structure outside of the market that, um, that the market is adhering to. And, and that probably, that's probably more on the Fibonacci side, but I'm not really an Elliott wave person. I'm just kind of bringing it up because it falls under that umbrella. Um, seasonality, for example, you know, you'll hear things like, um, sell in May and go away and certain times of year tend to be bullish and those type of things. Um, that's the type of analysis that I've put over at alphacrunching.com. It's really geared towards short-term movement as, as opposed to like annual seasonality. Um, and that's geared towards SPX, SPY, and ES uh, futures traders. So that's a type of cycle analysis. Is um, We call it intraday seasonality for like zero DT, DTE and stuff like that. And the idea here is that with any kind of seasonality is that if you know that a certain period of time tends to be bullish or bearish uh, for a given period, and that could be a year, a week, a month, whatever, you would want to consider trading in the direction for that period. So for example, if, you know, two, I think, uh, Thursdays have been very bullish and I did an episode, a couple episodes back. Um, and so trading long on Thursdays has been a winning strategy for like a, a few months now. Right. And then you might say, well, maybe March is bullish. So you'll look for buy signals. So that doesn't mean you're just going to go long because the annual pattern is that March is bullish or something like that. You would actually say, Okay, if I want to go long in March, I'm going to wait for maybe my MACD to turn up in March. So you're combining your seasonality. And and uh, let me just say, I just made that up. I don't really know if March is bullish. I'm just kind of making that up. But the idea is for seasonality is if you know a certain period of time tends to be bullish or bearish, then maybe you look to your indicators to take those buy and sell signals. So that's uh, you know one form of probability stacking is taking one type of analysis with another type of analysis and combining those together uh, to look for you know a higher accuracy rate or something. So another type of analysis that's more modern these days and I, I think more available to retail traders is the idea of options analysis. And this gets into unusual options activity, dealer hedging, um, those type of things, market makers having to buy the underlying, uh, you th think about AMC, GME, those stocks where so many call options were bought that in order for the market maker to stay delta neutral, they actually had to buy the stock because they were short delta. This is something that um, spotgamma.com talks about. Uh, they're really good at that if you want to learn more about options analysis. And the last thing I want to kind of bring about is just a general market awareness. In the last episode, I did, I talked about, uh, I think it was called uh, charting the price time continuum, which had to do with, you know, market awareness. But market awareness is the idea of, the market is kind of like a tide, the overall market. And I'm going to loosely just say, let's just call it the S&P 500. 
The market is like a tide and whatever stock you're trading is more of a fish. Could be a whale, you know, it could be a fish, whatever. But the general idea is that you want to swim with the tide and not against them. From kind of a longer term macro uh, example is that, you know, for the longest time up until through 2021, the market was basically in a giant bull market. There was some corrections and things that COVID kind of threw a wrench and stuff. But this was mostly driven by an easy monetary policy, meaning interest rates were low. So it made sense for, for for money to find a yield or make money had to go into riskier assets. Well, those riskier assets tended to be stocks. So fast forward to, you know, late 2021, 2022, they, we get inflation and now they have to raise interest rates. Well, all of a sudden you get a bear market. So this is market awareness. So a good example is like, let's say you think Google is the best stock in the world. It's got a great search business. They got some cloud stuff going on. And now they have up and coming AI that, that they're deploying with Bard. And you're just like, man, Google is just going to be around forever. It's going to kill it. Well, Google lost, I think, 40% of its value in 2022 simply because of a bear market that was driven by monetary policy. So, you know, fundamental analysis isn't going to help you there. Now, you're going to want the market to have favorable conditions. So if you're a long-term macro person, monetary policy is going to be a little bit more important. If you're day trading futures using a one minute chart, you know, maybe the, the Fed announcement uh, is something you have to look out for, but overall you can maybe trade in both directions. So having market awareness is really important to your strategy. And depending on your time frame, it's going to be more or less important. So you have to kind of decide that for yourself. So the takeaway here uh, that I wanted, I know it's kind of a long-winded way of, of talking about various things, but the takeaway here is that you know, probability stacking is really to help you find an edge in the market by putting together various components and uh, indicators or analysis and different uh, things that to get the odds in your favor into a strategy that you can understand. You need to understand each component that you're relying on so that you can have the confidence to train. If you have no idea why interest rates going up and down cause the market to go up and down, like you should, you should go study that and, and understand why that is right. So that, that way you understand, and it's real. The next time the fed decides to pause its rate hikes, you understand why the market may move there. Right. So really study what each uh, component of your system is that you, you start stacking probabilities in your favor with various, I'm just going to use the term metrics. And you need to make sure that you're able to to trade this or invest in it in a consistent manner. So this goes back to your time frame, And then you also obviously need to know when to get in and when to get out and your risk tolerance and risk per trade. And just, you know, you have to embrace risk, which is part of the strategy, embracing risk, managing your risk, using a stop or allocating a certain percent. That is part of the risk. That is also going to put the odds in your favor over time. That way you don't blow up in, on one particular trade or, or whatnot. And lastly, to really get the odds in your favor, you really you have to take a large number of trades so you can make consistent profit over time. Consistent profit doesn't mean making money every day or every week or even every month. There are losing months with any strategy. So you have to stick with that strategy by allocating a small percentage so that you can absorb 
any number of losers. And we talk about that um, in you know some of my courses and and groups and things. So I you know, definitely recommend that you come over to the website and we can talk more about this. I hope you found this helpful and it wasn't too um, circular. And again, I had a hard time putting this together, but I wanted to touch on all those things. Definitely open for discussion and would love to hear what you think. Come over to the website, stockmarketoptiontrade.net, and we'll see you in the next episode. 